Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Hello and welcome to Three C's in a Pod from Provision Advisors, where we give you insights and analysis on the day's hot topics and trends. Today, we'll continue our ongoing conversation surrounding the global coronavirus pandemic as our nation continues to try and right itself amid growing health concerns and an itch to return to normal as quickly as possible. We're going to discuss the battle of creative messaging and, of course, look ahead to what this week has in store. We return this week with a special guest to the program as we speak with Scott Strassmeyer, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Sports Information at the United States Naval Academy. As the nation presses pause on our collegiate and professional sports programs, we'll get Scott's take on his approach to engaging an audience during this crisis and what we can expect looking towards next season. But let's jump right in. Plenty to talk about over the past week across the wire. Uh, John, what caught your attention in the rearview mirror? Thanks, Bashan. I, I was very struck by the uh, protests uh, that happened this past week and this weekend. You know, you talked about creative messaging, strategic messaging from elected officials and leaders out there. Uh, they are now starting to see citizens like us, um, well, not really at all like us, but citizens out there who are um, who are starting to lose patience uh, with the stay-at-home orders. They are, uh, I believe, emblematic of this American impatience uh, for the creature comforts of of a life of freedom. And uh, it, it just struck me as very disappointing to see caravans of, of cars go through the city of Annapolis, uh, for example. I'll localize this. People basically saying, you know, that, that they're right uh, as American citizens, uh, you know, in, in the land of the free is to live the way they want. And if they want to congregate on beaches and go back to work and not wear a mask and and uh, thumb their nose at the coronavirus, then they have the right to do so. Um, so I'm gonna be watching on the horizon a little bit, although I've got a different topic for on the horizon. I, I was struck and disappointed by the wave of protests. And I think it'll be interesting going forward to see how elected officials message to those people should this trend uh, build and grow. Um, right. and, and how do you, how do you uh, react to that, you know, and there's so much, there's so much hypocrisy and counter messaging, you know, Florida closing schools, but opening beaches, Governor Hogan is going to announce a phased reopening. How, how does he, how does he react to this growing number of people locally? And, and they are uh, representative of what I think is a growing number of people nationally who are starting to just lose patience with this when Really, the only thing we need them to do is be more patient so that we can flatten the curve. So that's what, mm-hmm. that's what I observed. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, John. Chris, over to you. My rear view um, is much less uh, consequential, but still very important, I think, to the three of us. And uh, judging from the reaction on Twitter last night was pretty consequential to a lot of people as well. And that was the airing of the first two episodes of The Last Dance. Yes. Um, the uh, documentary that is about the Chicago Bulls' last run in the, I guess, mid to late 90s is the best way to say it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And um, for me, it was like the perfect combination of nostalgia, coolness, and sports. All of that kind of came together. You know, I mean, there's a whole backstory about how this came to be and 
I think this would have been an interesting documentary anyway, and it would have maybe grabbed people's, uh, uh, you know, would have grabbed a small uh, segment of the population's attention just because people's attention would have been fragmented. But I mean, you talk about hitting a home run and it being just what people needed. I think ESPN and the, the whole enterprise that put this on has really, um, they've grabbed onto something that right now at least the country needs. Yes. Yes. And, and something that was actually, correct me if I'm wrong, was supposed to be for later in the summer. But ESPN, I think July, right? Is that, is that right? It was like June or July. Because oh, okay, I, yeah. I remember when they announced it, everyone's being like, oh my God, it, that's so far away. And then just present day circumstances, the uh, leadership at ESPN, I guess, made, well, obviously made the decision to, um, to push up the air date. Uh, what, a, what a great example of pivoting. Yes. Um, I mean, just, I don't mean to drag this out, but I mean, if you're, you know, we talk a lot about kind of the intersection of pop culture, sports and mm -hmm, national mm -hmm. security. I, I probably haven't watched ESPN and other than maybe the replay of a game or two that I was interested in, but I mean, I had pretty much abandoned sports center or any of the right. um, talking head shows and to watch ESPN do the two episodes and then roll right into their, prime time for them of the 11 o'clock sports center with um, Scott Van Pelt and then for Van Pelt to make relevant essentially which is a, a documentary about something that happened you know almost 30 years ago it, right. it, it just was really um, I, I thought a really smart both marketing and communications move on the part of ESPN and, and the NBA in, in such a non-contrived you know, so natural feeling way. So I'll stop gushing, but uh, I'm, I'm really in, and I'm not even that big a basketball fan. Right. No, no, no. Gush, gush away. I, I think it's a generationally relevant thing. What, what other show out there, particularly involving sports is going to take a 47 year old man, an 11 year old kid, a 16 year old kid, 60 year olds, uh, 20 year olds, you know, across the gamut uh, of your demographic and, and put them all on the edge of their seat to watch something like this. As a lifelong MJ fan, and I grew up with all the posters and, you know, the, the side view angle of the dunk contest, leaping from the free throw line picture, uh, I, I was an MJ lover. And, and I'll tell you, last night, um, it, it was validating for me to see, um, my kids who all play basketball just watching mouth agape at the things he did and and to recall that you know the year and i'll get on this point quick and get off it quick the mj's second year he breaks his foot they barely make the playoffs and by the way i don't know if you guys noticed that last night they made the playoffs as the eight seed with a 32 and 50 record like come on um but then they take the the mighty celtics who still had everyone you know, they, they were talking about Scottie Pippen as a great number two. Larry Bird had five number two they had dominant people on that team. And, and then to see MJ in game two in the garden, you know, where there's like no AC and everyone's sweating their asses off and he scores 63. Um, I, I looked over at my kids at that one point when Bird switched on to MJ down on the right block. And he went one, two, three between the legs and then stepped back and drained like a 12-footer on Larry Bird. That for me, like you can talk about MJ's high-flying dunks and the athleticism. That for me was the iconic moment. But to Chris's point, and then I'll get off of it, 
you know, how, how do companies out there look at how utterly popular this was? And then when episodes three and four air next Sunday, you've got to think that this is almost Super Bowl level in terms of price of advertising. Thank you uh, for that, gents, um, which sort of segues in, into my rearview mirror. And I'll, I'll put it this way. So this pandemic, the, um, the focus from all angles, our aperture as a nation, uh, I believe, is, is a bit more dialed in. We saw over last week, um, I'm going I'm to give three specific examples. One was Dr. Oz, an interview that, that Dr. Oz gave uh, regarding um, going back to school uh, in Florida, his view. I believe it was less than 24 hours later, you had Dr. Phil uh, going on Fox News uh, and, and making some comments uh, that, that got a great deal of attention. And each of those individuals wound up, because the, the spike, uh, the response, the negative response, to the comments that they were making was so large, each of them came out with um, either a statement, uh, statement or interview to talk about how they misspoke or how you know the information that they gave was was in fact poor choices. Yes, a PR person's nightmare or a PR person's dream. And I mean, for me, I was looking at it as as if you know, hey, see, look, uh, this is where a professional communicator has to uh, you know be on their p's and q's, um, and on the one hand, on the on the front end you know, help your principal as they're going on an interview and here's the best thing to say. And then on the back end, just a sheer example of having to go to, uh, whether it's a, you know, a communications manager, a PR person, hey, how do you get me out of this mess? Uh, what's the statement that I use uh, to get the attention off of me uh, and then move on to the next thing? The third thing I'll bring up is this new phenomenon and how are companies, how are individuals, people with platforms, choosing to remain relevant, new ways to have the audience focus on what you're doing, focus on your craft, uh, whatever it is that you do. So what we're seeing now uh, are DJs uh, on Instagram, going on Instagram, uh, playing music, having concerts, several people, um, it's not, and it's not just DJs, you have um, singer-songwriters out there giving uh, little concerts here, maybe donating to a cause and what have you. So I believe it was Saturday night, you had um, two producers, Teddy Riley, uh, of the group Guy and Blackstreet uh, against going up against Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, uh, two R&B artists uh, that were going to go dueling back and forth. Well, it got so much hype. There was so much attention built up around it. You had, I believe at one point, over 400,000 people on, on Saturday night at nine o'clock tuned in. And, and not just, you know, you had, you know, everyday uh, you know, some normal, normal, quote unquote, normal folks, but then you, you also had celebrities in there uh, listening as well. And it went horribly wrong. From a communicator standpoint, you see where without, um, without a proper plan in place, without a, uh, a proper way to execute your plan of action, when it goes wrong, it can be really bad for you. And so just, again, I'm, I'm pointing that out as something that caught my attention, I guess, on, on sort of two ends of the spectrum as, as folks are dealing with this virus. Breaking down a lot of the barriers between us and famous people, you know, like the... No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I, I just don't know that that's a good thing. To both of your points, six weeks ago, before this thing started, you had the benefit of um, it being a crowded environment. So you could kind of ferret out your niche in that environment. And now people are paying a lot closer attention. So if it's contrived right, right. or if it's gooned up, 
Like yeah. it could really go south in a, in a hurry. Yeah, that's the, uh, you know, that's what I was talking about with regard to the aperture and, and everybody is just more narrowly focused on any sort of news surrounding or as an effect of the coronavirus. It's, it's, it's quite an odd phenomenon right now. I hear what both of you are saying. It's, it's an opportunity to really upset your popularity or it's an opportunity to, to really engage with your audience and humanize yourself. Either way, it's a risk. We'll see how it evolves. Thanks, John. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. As we said before the break, we are here with Mr. Scott Strassmeyer, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Sports Information at the United States Naval Academy. Scott, I want to thank you for joining us here today. We're uh, looking forward to talking with you. No problem. Thank you for the invite. Excellent. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw to you to uh, jump right in. Hey, thanks, uh, Bashan. Uh, th this is actually really cool for me. Uh, I've known Scott for 25 years. Uh, Scott was um, really like a, a sponsor to, to me when I was a midshipman. Um, I volunteered in the sports information office and we've stayed in, in touch uh, through, throughout my, my time in the Navy. And I think all three of us have a, some sort of personal connection to, to Scott. Um, again, Scott, thanks for, for joining us. Um, I wanted to jump in and ask you, um, in the three decades that you've been at, uh, at Navy, I mean, you, you've seen all sorts of ups, downs, everything in between from a, um, from a sports and from a communications perspective. How do you rank the challenge of virus and the effect that it's had on the academy, on your athletes, on sports? How do you rank that into everything else that you've done over your three-decade career? This is uh, definitely unprecedented. I mean, there's been nothing like it. You know, I, I know I've been at Navy a long time, but the only thing that I wasn't here for the 1917-1918 flu epidemic. So <laughs> that's really the only thing you can compare it to. And to just have sports stop like that, you know, what we feel most bad about is the the winter teams who are headed to the NCAA championships and the spring teams who are just getting started to have their seasons canceled was, was heartbreaking, but it was something that had to be done. Um, the Academy has handled everything. Uh, the, the superintendent has been incredible. Um, and, and Mr. Gladchuk has been incredible. There's been um, great communication. Everyone knows what's going on. Um, and we're just, we're, we're dealing with it the best we can. Um, Student athletes obviously went on spring break and then were told to, to not come back. And, and it's kind of been a whirlwind uh, since that time. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, there's no doubt there's been nothing like this. And uh, um, it's been challenging for everybody, but I think everyone's kept a good attitude, and, um, in, including the student athletes, and, and we're getting through it. Um, just a quick follow-up. I mean, you're a, a leader in the um, broader sports information director uh, net network. Um, what are you hearing the same sort of feedback from your colleagues all, all over the country? I mean, what, what's the sense in the COSADA network? Yeah, I, you know, I think everybody's kind of in the same boat and we're all trying to keep our fans engaged by doing different things on social media. And um, so, yeah, I don't think anyone's any different than anybody else, no matter if you're division one, division two, division three, we're kind of off grown in the same boat right now. Um, trying to keep people engaged without any sports and, uh, and hoping we can get back to work soon. Yeah, Scott, uh, John here. So um, like Chris, I've known Scott since uh, 2000, uh, when I was stationed at the Naval Academy, eventually became the women's soccer O-Rep and then returned as the PAO many years later. Um, like Chris, the, all the respect in the world for what Scott and his staff do. And Scott, you intimated a little bit there at the end of your last answer about you know, what you're doing to overcome uh, the situation 
and to still engage with audiences. And, and something that I've watched from afar and up close for years is, is how it's evolved and how well, you know, you and uh, Stacy and, and your, your coordination with, uh, with marketing um, right there in Ricketts Hall, how you've done it. Can you kind of walk us through uh, the new things you're doing, the pivots you've had to make uh, in order to engage with people um, you know, what ideas uh, you, you've thrown out there, what you've seen uh, to work, and then how you plan to, to tackle the next month as, as we anticipate sports will still be shut down by then. Well, it's, it's been a total team effort. Um, you know, we have an external relations team that we call it, which includes sports information, my staff, um, marketing promotions, tickets, uh, blue and gold, um, so everyone is pitching in with ideas and, and, uh, and, and doing things on social media. So it, it's a total team effort. We meet every Monday at four o'clock and kind of hash out the week, but we're constantly ta uh, talking over email and, and text. Um, but, you know, we're super proud of a lot of things that uh, some of the ideas that have come up with. The uh, we're in this together video really came out great, which had, you know, Mr. Gladchuk, coaches and student athletes from, all over the country, uh, taping a message that took a lot of coordination. Um, the idea actually originated with uh, Karen Cabrera actually was the first one to, to, to approach me with the idea because she had seen NC State do it. And all ideas usually come from somebody else. So I'll credit NC State for the first, first video that we saw, but Karen sent it to me. I sent it to my staff, um, Brianna Sorensen, who is our video intern and has done an incredible job through all this. She's um, She's been a huge cog in the entire uh, in the entire thing, but uh, she wrote the script, sent it to all of us. We kind of tweaked it. Then I uh, went out and got the athletes to say their lines and send the videos back, and then Brianna put it all together. And that's been a huge hit. We've gotten a ton of feedback from that. Uh, but you know, everyone's contributed ideas. Um, we've done uh, home activities for kids with coloring, uh, almost like a coloring book. Had bingo. Um, we've done Zoom backgrounds. Um, the uh, training staff and uh, and strength staff and uh, and uh, our nutritionist has done nutrition tips. We've uh, promoted all of our preferred preferred partner restaurants who are still open for business. We've done that several times, uh, trying to keep you know trying to help them out. Uh, we've been doing Sunday salutes every Sunday, um, basically honoring the teams that had their seasons cut short. So that's the winter teams who are headed to the NCAA's. And all the fall sport or all the spring sports who had their seasons cut cut short. So we've been doing two every Sunday of them, and just a, a small little gesture to the seniors and the teams that you know did not get to complete their season. We've done all kinds of video interviews. Um, Brianna's uh, been a big part of that, um, doing Zoom interviews with different student athletes and coaches, and those have been very popular. We've got you know coaches saying, "Hey, put me in line. I want a two-one-two." So. Everyone seems to like those. We've been putting out old Army-Navy games. Uh, those have been extremely popular. Um, and then also highlights, you know, top games from this year for all the sports. Um, so a wide variety of things. You know, everyone's scouring social media, looking what other schools are doing. Um, we haven't announced it yet, but I think we're going to do a watch party uh, on Wednesday for the Navy Air Force game on Facebook and just replay that game and have fans be able to come in and interact with people. And then we'll probably do army Navy the following Wednesday. So that's one of the cool things coming up that, uh, that we haven't even announced yet. Yeah. The video stuff has been incredible. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I, I think I uh, channeled both what Bashan and Chris feel and that Brianna has done an amazing job and count us as three of the audience members out there have been impressed by what she's done. I was just watching last night. I think this is more all women's soccer. Maybe it was you guys doing it, but it's become popular, those videos on social media where you know people are either throwing a ball or kicking a ball into a frame to one player. They kick it out of frame. It goes to the next player who's in their garage or in their home. And, and the Navy women's soccer one, which I watched last night, was phenomenal. Um, how do you think, and, and this is my last question before I kick it to Bash, how do you think you take these trend lines, you take these, um, uh, these videos, these vignettes, uh, and when things return to normal, if there really is a normal uh, at the beginning of next season uh, or whenever, you know, do you continue to do that? Or you know, how do you feel like your staff will be informed by the success of this? Or is it just kind of a one-time thing to just deal with coronavirus? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, actually, I do think there's some ideas that we've been able to take that maybe we would not have t attempted before. Um, we were kind of forced to do some different things that have really clicked. And I think there are things that we could do, you know, again, even, even once we are back in business as far as sports, especially the, the student interviews and the uh, student athlete interviews and the coach interviews. Um, even with the technology now is, is so incredible with Zoom and Google Hangouts that uh, I do think there are some things we're doing now that we probably wouldn't have done before that we're like, hey, that, that's pretty good. We should continue to do that even when we're back in sports. So yeah, it's definitely been a learning process for everybody. And I think we have picked up some, some good ideas for the future. Hey, Scott, this is Bashan. Um, much like Chris and, and John, I know that your relationship with them uh, goes back quite some time. Uh, you made sure that when I was um, the PA for Admiral Greenert, uh, the former CNO, uh, you made sure that every, uh, every time he was uh, attending a football game out there, uh, you made sure everything went, went, out, went off without a hitch. Uh, so I, I thank you for that and um, always appreciated what you did for us. Uh, let me ask you, uh, speaking of Navy football, um, you guys kick off your season against, um, well, in Ireland, uh, against Notre Dame uh, this season. Uh, is it too early uh, to worry about that game? Are you looking at any contingencies uh, looking, uh, looking ahead? That's a great question. A lot of people have asked it. Right now, it is too early. We're still, uh, still playing it out. Um, there has been no movement right now to move that game from Ireland. So um, Mr. Gladchuk is, is obviously all over it. And uh, and he's leading the charge, but right now it is too early for uh, for anything besides. We're we're still preparing for Ireland. We had meetings last week um, about the game, and uh, that's what we're continuing to do. Understood. So let let's look at that. Uh, we know that you're a, a huge sports fan. I mean, we we all are. Uh, looking at it, you know, from both your your professional capacity and then also as a fan, you know, we're looking, we're listening to folks as they're talking about. Um, whether it's on the collegiate or the professional level, um, how, how sport, sporting events uh, are going to be, you know, changed. And, you know, you're hearing different examples of, you know, um, games being played with no fans in the stands, um, just, uh, you know, how are we going to conduct business moving forward? Um, what are some of your thoughts on, on the impact of this pandemic, of this virus, uh, on, our, on our sporting teams? It's, uh, again, it's a great question. And again, I just think it's a little too early yet. I, I don't think we know. I think the, uh, 
the virus is going to tell us what we're going to be able to do. The health professionals are going to be able to tell us are going to tell us what to do, and the uh, and the government or the you know the governors, you know, Governor Hogan is going to tell us what we're able to do. Um, so I I just think it's a little premature. You know, we still got a long time uh, before the season starts, and and it seems like every day there's new information. There's a lot of tests out there, testing that you know people are working on that could possibly be game changers. Um, so I, it's, it's just a little premature for me to, to even predict. I do know that the uh, commissioners of all the college football, um, of all the conferences have said, you know, there's, there's no, no sports, no games without students being back on campus. So um, I think that's one thing that uh, has been said that uh, I think will probably hold true. But besides that, I'm just, you know, it's just, you know, I think as long as we're back by, early to mid July, we, we still could start on time. So, you know, it's just things, things change so rapidly right now. It's really hard to predict. Scott, you mentioned, um, you know, the things that you're doing to highlight athletes and you talked about um, highlighting those teams from the winter sports and the spring sports that, um, you know, missed out on either parts of their season or the whole season. How hard has this been on athletes? the sports program at any college, but particularly at the Naval Academy is such a huge part of the experience. What's your sense of the impact that this has had on them kind of losing out on that part of their four year experience? It's been crushing, especially for the seniors. They, they don't get, they don't have the luxury of coming back for next year like a lot of the schools are. So um, a lot of the schools are being allowed to, to offer that fifth year. Some, some are and some aren't, but there is no option here. And, and obviously, there's a good reason for it because they're going to be commissioned into Navy and Marine Corps officers and going on to do bigger and better things. But it, it is crushing. You put so much into that season. You know, it, it's sports are year round now, no matter what sport you play, you are year round training for that short period of time where you get to play um, an opposition and uh, to have it, you know, taken away just like that is, is crushing. There's, there's nothing you can say to make it better. Um, but I've also, I've talked to a lot of seniors, um, especially on the women's lacrosse team, because I'm a sport administrator for women's lacrosse, and they've all handled it really well. They get it. It's out of their control. Disappointed, yes, but um, also no one's questioning what went, you know, what went down. It's just, it, it had to be done, and, and obviously it, it happened across the country, so it's not like it just happened here. So they get it. They're heartbroken. Um, they're a pretty, pretty strong group of uh, student-athletes, and uh, I think that maybe in the Marine Corps are going to be served well when they, when they go on and graduate. I'll ask yeah. one more question, Scott, before I kick it back to Chris, because I know that, um, you know, the, the three of us want to talk with you about last dance for sure. But uh, one of the student athletes who's certainly going to be affected by things uh, this week is Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Perry, the, the quarterback for the football team. The NFL draft is on uh, the 23rd. Uh, Bill Wagner of the Capitol has written, you know, very good stories about where Malcolm might stand. And, and Malcolm's role as a potential draft pick as, as you know, I've heard the Taysom Hill um, comparisons, the, the, the partner in crime to Drew Brees down in New Orleans. You know, Mal Malcolm has sort of flown under the radar with all of the coronavirus. Uh, so it, it makes one wonder where uh, he might go if he goes at all uh, during the draft on the uh, – on the 23rd, well, not on the 23rd, Malcolm's probably a second or third day guy. Um, wh where do you think, uh, where do you think he'll go? And in your conversations with, with Miamat and the staff and Malcolm, uh, 
you know, how, how is his head uh, as the NFL draft approaches? I think he'll definitely get drafted. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. Um, the tape doesn't lie. <laughs> the kid, he's an incredible game breaker. Um, I know he didn't run a great 40 um, at the combine, but there was a lot of, for one, he, he hadn't been able to train for it. A lot of these guys who go to the combine, they drop out of school as soon as the last football game, and, they, and that's what they go and they train for. They train for the combine. Um, well, Malcolm was you know, still taking 18 credit hours, and he had about an hour to work out every day. And also, their, their running time got pushed back. So he, he was there for like 12 hours before he even got to run. So he didn't even run until like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, you put Malcolm on the football field with a football in his hands, people don't catch him. Um, so I'll be really, really shocked if he doesn't get drafted. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but Ma Malcolm, I, I've talked to Malcolm a lot because he's had a ton of interview requests. So I basically either texted him or emailed him or talked to him every day for the, about the last two weeks. Um, so he's excited. Um, you know, there's several teams that are, that are, have expressed interest in him. I can't name them. Don't want to give away any secrets. Um, but I, I would be really, really surprised if he wasn't drafted and, um, I also think uh, Michael Pfeiffer, the long snapper, is going to get a chance, even if he's not drafted. I think he'll get, you know, signed. Um, as would, I think Jackson Pittman has a great chance um, as an offensive lineman, as is the word, um, that someone's going to take a chance on him as an offensive lineman. And then Nazir Cromartie also might get a shot as well. So there's, there's four guys, I think, that could get signed. But I, um, Malcolm's probably the only one that would get drafted. Um, Mike Piper could get drafted, but it's not often where a long snapper gets drafted. I think last year only one got drafted. Um, but uh, I would be really, again, I'd be really surprised if Malcolm did not get drafted. Well, it's a credit to the program and, and what Nehemiah has put together uh, and the entire staff. You know, you, you said it, and I've been, I've been beating this drum for years that, you know, it, a lot of people within the walls of the Naval Academy or the or the detractors of the Naval Academy like to say that there are separate standards for the football team against the other students. And I've always really chafed at that. You know, Malcolm Perry, like you said, taking 18 credits, managing his, um, managing his military obligations, managing everything, um, and trying to, you know, are you telling me that, that Chase Young of Ohio State has the same restrictions or or, or issues in his life uh, that Malcolm Perry does no um, you know but it's a it's a credit that there are so many um, there are so many athletes who now get to benefit from the new DoD policy to highlight that these aren't guys who are just playing in a system and beating army every year or you know cleaning up on a weak uh, American athletic conference which I don't think is weak at all but that seems to be the the argument sometimes these are kids who can go out and play in the pros uh, in every sport. Uh, so I think it's a credit and, and I, I know I've heard, you know, just rumors here and there that, um, that Malcolm is definitely a lock to the Cowboys uh, with the 17th pick, uh, in the first round. I think great idea by, by your favorite team and Cervello's favorite team, solid, solid work by the Jones family. So, uh, my, my barbs aside, Chris, over to you. Scott, I thought we would wrap with just, uh, you know, as one of the biggest sports fans that, that I know. Um, your, your take on uh, the, the last dance and kind of um, not only from a sports documentary, but kind of as a vehicle to fill that void that sports has left in sports fans, but also in, in pop culture throughout the country. I thought it was incredible. Uh, it was incredible for a start. If they would have showed 
the, the, the next eight episodes. I would have watched all of them last night. I would have stayed up till seven o'clock in the morning to watch it. It was uh, incredible TV. Um, I was not surprised. It was what I expected. I expected it to be great. It's probably going to go down and, and top OJ's as, a, as the best 30, 30, 30 for 30 ever. Um, it definitely filled a void. I think sports fans, you know, nationwide could not wait for it last night. And, you know, just watching, looking at Twitter on commercials, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to discuss it with people, you know, um, during the breaks. And I, I just thought it was incredibly well done. Um, I love those type of documentaries anyway, the inside looks. Obviously, we were involved in one with Navy um, a couple times, but mainly the, the, the Showtime one, which was a, which was a full year. So I know everything that goes into something like that. Um, and it's kind of cool how it came about. Um, if you read some of the stories on ESPN.com and the athletic about how they got Michael to agree to do it and how it's been in a vault for, for all this time before he finally agreed to, to let him put it together. But I thought it was extremely well done. And I, I can't wait for the next eight episodes. Yeah, I, I was you, talking. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, I was just to say. I mean, you, you were saying the same thing. I, I think we all, uh, I think we all felt that that same excitement. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I was just gonna, I was gonna ask. Um, you know, so for me, uh, and I was telling these guys in our first segment. You know, I, I was the biggest MJ fan on the planet. I had all the dunk contest posters up in my room. I thought it was fantastic. You know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about MJ, the golfing, the gambling, the hard work, the, the battles with his brothers, uh, you know, how hard his dad was on him. I think the only surprise I had was how well he was able to do an interview with like seven fingers of bourbon or scotch <laughs> on the table next to him, which was impressive as hell. But, you know, from a sports fan, is there anything that surprised you? Uh, in the viewing last night, things you didn't know, um, uh, you know, about MJ or the Bulls or the Jerry Krause dynamic or anything like that? Um, not really. It was just interesting, though, to hear, especially the Krause stuff, hearing from Krause and, and his thinking and hearing from Pippen and Jordan. Um, it was always stuff you'd heard about, but then to hear it from them um, and hear it in their words, I thought was, was really fascinating. Um, and then just the uh, how relentless Jordan Pippen was on Krause as well. Um, I thought it was interesting. It was, it was an interesting uh, part of the story as well. But, um, I mean, I remember that 63-point game um, against the Celtics um, at Boston Garden like it was yesterday. I mean, I, as soon as they got to it, I, I, I was like, man, I remember that so well. Because um, I was not a Celtics fan. I was a Pacers fan. Um, obviously, a uh, big Reggie Miller fan. Um, so that that Jordan game, that was kind of like the game that that put him into everyone's mind that this is the best player in the world. Um, and that was, that was fun to revisit that as well. Yeah, like that that game, I remember two playoff games as like seminal moments in, in my uh, life as an athlete or a, or a sports fan. And it was Sleepy Floyd's game in the playoffs when he just went unconscious. And then MJ, I was telling these guys before about the move down on the right block where he went between the legs three times and then just drained a 12-footer on Bird. Yeah, It gives you, it gives you uh, goosebumps uh, for sure, and I think that's what ESPN was going with. Um, and, and again, not to make it too you know, an awkward segue, but I think that's what you know, Navy is doing. Um, you know, and you're talking about things to reach back, watch old Army-Navy games, watch last year's Air Force game, and, 
um, you know, it's kind of like a watch party. You know, we look for those goosebump moments, um, you know, either locally or or nationally. And uh, I think ESPN's hit this one out of the park. I, I have no doubt that you guys will do the same. Gosh, I just right. think that's a great thing about sports is that you, you know, you watch some of these events that took place 30 years ago and you remember exactly where you were and who you were with. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I remember being at home in Fairmount, Indiana, watching that Jordan game. Or I remember being in the press box at Indiana University when I was a student when Jordan hit the shot to beat Cleveland. That's what sports does. It just, it, you know, it brings you back and you don't forget those moments. Um, and you remember everything about them, where you were, who you're with, and, and, and how it happened. I think that's one of the great things about sports. And we agree 100% with you, Scott. Uh, listen, Scott, I know you got some important things to focus on over there at the Naval Academy, so we're not going to keep you. Uh, I do want to thank you for coming and speaking with us today and dealing with all this. So we really appreciate it. Thanks. I'm glad to do it. Good time. All right. Thanks, we look forward to talking with you a little bit more. Thanks. And it's time to look out on the horizon. Chris, what are you focused on in the week ahead? I'm uh, looking at how the Navy will move forward on the Crozier decision. Um, I think this is an opportunity for the Chief of Naval Operations to not only get the TR situation off the front pages of national news and, uh, and make the story in Navy circles about taking care of the TR sailors and families, but I think it's an opportunity, a larger communication opportunity for uh, the CNO to cement himself with the uh, sailors in the fleet to uh, directly tie um, his leadership and his principles uh, to those sailors. And I think it's an opportunity for him to uh, shake the etch-a-sketch, if you will, on what has kind of been a vanilla first six months of his time as the head of the Navy and to begin to chart a new course as to where he wants to take the Navy using principled leadership uh, as the foundation of what he stands for and what he wants the Navy to stand for. So if done correctly, th this could be a real op opportunity um, that comes out of uh, something that started off as uh, you know, really bad for uh, the Navy and for those sailors. Yeah, Chris, I was exchanging stuff with Bus Snodgrass on Twitter earlier in the week just about, yeah, the fundamental, um, yeah, I would just say negativity surrounding the decision that, that right now as retirees, maybe current active duty sailors feel the same way. But the assumption, the going in assumption is that the Navy's going to goon it up. And, and I hate feeling that way. And I hope that they don't goon this up. Um, and and take the the soft way out or the easy way out that they make hard decisions that are embedded in in leadership and communication and and they go forward and do do right not only by this one man who is still sick with COVID nineteen but do right by his crew and do well by the Navy writ large which is certainly suffering from a, a crisis of confidence so yeah I think we'll all be looking at that definitely uh, John over to you what are you looking at. Uh, well, I talked to Strass uh, during the interview about the NFL draft and Malcolm Perry, uh, kind of like the Last Dance documentary. I think it's another sporting event, quote unquote, that a lot of people are looking forward to in order to, number one, break out of the no sports malaise, which is marking the, the first two months of uh, COVID-19 pandemic quarantine. But but also, it, it I think the draft uh, gives a glimmer of hope. Uh, the PGA Tour has already come out saying that whether it's with spectators or without spectators, the last three majors other than the British will be played this year. 
and and the only thing that people are really talking about in around that decision is that it gives people something to look forward to. I think the draft also gives people something to look forward to, whether you know your Cowboys fans like Chris and Strass, uh, I'm sure the Cowboys will draft someone completely um, you know unworthy of the seventeenth draft pick uh, there in the first round or you know any other team uh, you know you you now have a glimpse as to you ha you have a, a look into what your team might look like when normalcy might and hopefully returns in September with the uh, with the new NFL season so I'll watch the uh, draft see how they do this uh, with all of the technology I talked about in the last pod how are they going to handle the technology portion of this uh, how are they going to handle some of the traditional interviews uh, the weird choreography of like the time delay on Zoom or, or conference calls or whatever. Uh, and then lastly, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be looking to see where Malcolm Perry, the U.S. Naval Academy, is drafted and then how uh, people communicate how he's going to embark upon that journey instead of joining his classmates in the military. So that's on my horizon. Yeah, definitely. Best of luck to, um, to all those uh, folks looking forward to getting drafted. Uh, and as Strassmeyer said, you know, perhaps up to four um, Naval Academy football players. So wishing them the best of luck. Um, you know, as we, as we look out on this week, or as I, I'm looking out uh, on the week ahead, uh, looking at the protests, the growing protests uh, that took place over the, over the course of the weekend, um, starting here with a new week. One thing I, I'm actually, mm -hmm. I guess, focused on or concerned about is as, as these stay at home orders stretch on, you know, into the you know, people are into a month of being at home, fifth week, sixth week of being at home. Um, just sort of that growing uh, cabin fever um, that that is um, building up in some people. Uh, I'm I'm concerned, worried about folks. Uh, maybe as the weather starts to get better here, as we move through spring, uh, people just beginning to be more lax uh, about their movement, about their approach to safety and, and wellness. Uh, just for the you know for the communities that they're in writ large, um, that's one of the things you know we're gonna. I'm obviously paying attention to the to the White House briefings that that occur, uh, so I'm I'm definitely going to be focused on uh, the messaging that that that's coming out um, on either side uh, as people advocate for uh, a little bit more freedom to move about and uh, folks actually you know listening to health officials who are saying hey wait a second. Uh, that that's probably not the best course of action. So uh, I've definitely got my eye trained uh, in that direction. If I can interject on that, Bashan, uh, we tweeted out from our Provision account a really good video. The Boston Globe put out uh, sort of a new variation on Boston Strong, encouraging people to stay at home, encouraging people to be adherent, as you were just talking about. A great video. It's narrated by John Krasinski. Great video with a great message that reinforces exactly what you just said. So check out our Twitter feed. Excellent. Will do. Folks, that's going to be it for us today. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Thank you for joining in on the conversation. Once again, thank you to Scott Strassmeyer for coming in and talking with us today. Uh, really great conversation. If you're looking for more information on what we've discussed here today, as your company or organization considers how to navigate communicating through this virus and making adjustments to your messaging, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net. In the meantime, folks, and until you hear from us again, we want you to remain mindful, be safe, be good. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.